and tonight I'm going to talk about the shield. In, Ezekiel, in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you can quench the fiery darts of the enemy. And the shield is a pretty important piece of the armor as well uh, for that purpose alone. And that's what I'm going to teach on tonight. But before I get started, I want to say a prayer right quick and uh, ask God to help me with this. And, and uh, can't do it without Him. Lord Jesus, I thank you again, for, Lord, for another opportunity, God, to, to teach your word, Lord Jesus, and to teach on the armor, Lord God, that you provided for us, Lord Jesus. God, I ask you, Lord, to help me with this message, Lord. Help me, Lord Jesus, to bring it forth the way that you've revealed it to me, Lord Jesus. That it help each and every one of us, Lord, in our walk with you, Lord God. Lord, I can't do this without you, Lord Jesus. I need you, Lord, to speak through me, Lord, and use me as your vessel, God. And use me as your oracle, Lord Jesus. And I thank you for it, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So in, in Jeremiah chapter 46, verse 3, it says, Order ye the buckler and shield and draw near to battle. It's talking about two different shields here. Um, one of them is, is an actual shield and the other one is a buckler. And there's a pretty significant difference between the two. The shield that, that, um, that it refers to here, that the Romans used a shield that was pretty good size is almost the size of, of the soldier that was wielding it or that was carrying it and on the battlefield whenever they were approaching a castle or a or a fortress or whatever it might be where they had archers on the wall they would use these shields to stop the arrows and they could use them like they would use them as a wall and a, a roof over the head the way that they would set up the shields there'd be two guys with a, with a shield and one would stand his shield up straight up and down in front of him, and the other one would stand up behind that the soldier in front of him and hold the shield over their heads. And they would also a lot of times have archers behind the shields. So after the enemy launched their arrows, the archers that the Romans had could launch their arrows towards the wall. And these, these arrows a lot of times would have fire on the tips of them when they would fire them in on people and so whatever it hit, if it hit one of the soldiers and stabbed into him, the fire would consume his, his clothing and catch his clothing on fire. And if you know anything about fire, what it does to a person, that once it hits them, if you don't get it put out fast enough, it'll engulf, totally completely engulf you. And that's why I titled this tonight, if you see the title there, um, it says, The Quencher of the Devouring Flame. And the, the reason I titled that, titled this that title, which I, I like titles, I like, um, you know, just coming up with unique titles and stuff, but, but um, the shield that, that Paul was speaking of here, he said, so that it can quench the fiery darts of the enemy. That's why I called it the quencher of the devouring flame. If you read another passage of scripture, it says that the devil is as a roaring lion roaming about seeking whom he may devour now if you think about that what he does his his attacks tries to devour you or get you so caught up in it to where you lose your faith and lose your sight on jesus and you lose your sight on the goal and your problems can consume you to the point to where 
you just you lose all faith and you no longer believe in God. A good example of that was when Peter got out of the boat when he was out on the stormy ocean, out on the stormy sea of Galilee, and Jesus came walking up to the boat, towards the boat out on the water, and Peter looked out across there and he said, you know, they at first all the guys on the boat thought it was a ghost. And Jesus said, Fear not, it is I. Well, Peter heard him over the storm, over the commotion of the storm. Now, whether he heard him with his physical ears or whether he heard him spiritually inside, either way, he knew it was Jesus. And he said, If that be you, Lord, bid me to come to you on the water. And Jesus told him to come. But when he stepped out of the boat, he started walking on the water. But the storms that was surrounding him, and apparently he got far enough away from the boat to where he, he began to panic. And so he walked, I believe he walked a pretty good ways out there before he realized what he, you know, hey, <laughs> I'm not supposed to be able to walk on this water. But anyways, he looked around the storm, at him, around the storm that was surrounding him, and he lost his faith that he, you know, that he could walk on the water. He allowed the circumstance to devour him to where he no longer believed that he could walk on the water, and he began to sink. You see, that's the way the devil does us in a situation, especially one that we prayed and asked God to move in a situation or move in a circumstance in our life, whether it's a healing in our body, whether it's a, a financial problem or financial burden or lost loved ones or whatever it may be. When the devil comes around and tries to get you to think differently or tries to get you to, to lose your faith and no longer believe that God's going to move in it, then... If you let yourself get caught up into that, you know, caught up by that, then you can lose your sight on God on that situation, lose your faith. Now, after saying that, you can turn with me if you have your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 11. This is a pretty popular passage of Scripture. And uh, the... The author of the book of Hebrews was writing to was writing this and he said in verse one says now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen you see faith is when you're believing something when you ask God for something and you believe that you're going to get it that's a substance that you're hoping for when you pray and ask him first of all when you ask him that's a substance of what you're hoping for now you take the substance of what you're hoping for and you believe God that you're going to receive that, then it becomes the evidence of the things not seen, meaning you can see yourself receiving what you're asking for. And that's the best way that I can explain that here as to what the author was referring to. He said it's the substance of what you're hoping for, okay, is your prayer that you're asking God to move in something. Say you're asking God for... A financial situation a bill to be paid that you don't have the finances to pay it that's the substance of what you're hoping for that you're going to receive what you need to pay that bill okay so now after you ask God for that that's the substance of what you're hoping for then it becomes okay when you believe and trust God to move in it then it's the evidence okay you can actually see yourself receiving it it's the evidence of the things not seen meaning you can't see it in your hand. You can't see the money here to pay the bill in your hand. But you know that God's going to move in it. And you believe him to the point to where you can see it spiritually 
in your hand to pay the bill. And then you will receive what you're believing and asking God to move in for. That's what he's referring to here. Now, considering that being the substance of something you're hoping for and the evidence of things not seen, referring back to the shield of faith, when, you're, when you ask God to forgive you and ask Him to come into your life and, and save you, that's the substance of things hoped for. The evidence isn't here yet because we haven't stepped over into glory yet, okay? But the evidence of something that you can't see with your physical eyes, but you know that you're going to get there because you're going to continue to live for God. If the devil hits you with a fiery, with a fiery dart or a flaming arrow and it hits you in that area and it devours you, then you basically you, you, turn, you turn and walk away from God. And that's one of the things that he wants to do. He wants to, he's trying to wear us out right now in this times that we're living in. He's trying to wear out the saints. We're living in a, a prophetic time right now. And that's why more than ever we need to put on the armor of God and get ready to, to war with the devil and win this thing and make it. And make it to the goal, to, to the ever pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We need to keep going, keep pushing and make it in. Because you see, without faith, in verse 6, it says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see, if you don't believe God's going to move in it, and you come asking him for it, but you're asking him not believing deep down inside that he's going to do it, but you just, you well, I'll just go ahead and ask him anyways. Maybe he'll... Maybe he'll see fit to do it for me. No, you have to ask him expecting to receive what you're asking for. It's like a child when they go to their parent asking them for, for something to drink. They're thirsty. They want to drink a water. They go and ask their parent for a drink of water. They're not going to go ask their parent thinking, well, if my parents want me to have a drink of water, then they, they'll let me. I'll, I'll go and ask them. Maybe they will give me a drink. No, they come to you asking, expecting to receive what they're asking for. It works the same way with God. If we're a child of His and we come to Him and we ask Him for something, we need to expect to receive what we're asking, believing and trusting that He's going to move in it and that He's going to do it for us. If we come and ask Him and we're not expecting it and not believing that He's going to do it, then it says right here it's impossible to please God because we don't believe Him. We don't have enough faith and enough trust in Him and, and believing that He's going to move in the situation or in the circumstance. So that's something we need to work on. But the shield of faith, you see, when you put that shield of faith on and you put it on, you have to believe and, and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that whatever the enemy throws at you, your faith is going to stand and it's going gonna, it's gonna to resist the devil and it's going to push through and it's going to devour and it's going to take care of the, the it's going to quench the fiery darts of the, of the enemy. It's going to quench the devouring flame. Now, check this out. There was two shields, like I was telling you a minute ago. There was, there's two shields. In Jeremiah, I read the buckler and the shield. The buckler was a, a blade for battle. Okay, and uh, the the buckler was a blade for battle. It's a smaller shield, and it was small enough where they could hang it on their belt. Like I was saying a few nights ago, or several nights ago, on the uh, when I was talking about the belt of truth, having your loins girt about with with truth. The smaller shield, they could hang, actually hang it on their belt along with the sword. The bigger shield, okay, which is the shield, because the buckler is a smaller one. The bigger shield, they couldn't hang it on their belt. 
but the bigger shield was the one that they would use when they were approaching a castle or a fortress or a fortified base or whatever that where they could stop the arrows like I was saying a minute ago but they would take these shields before the battle and they would soak them in water because they were made out of wood the inside of them was made out of wood and they would wrap leather around the shield so they would soak the wood in water the the whole shield and saturate it and get it wet and then when they they would take the leather and they would anoint it with oil in Isaiah 25 go ahead and turn there but anointing it with the oil is something that's very significant in this because just soaking it alone in water dunking it in water and getting it getting it wet but then they would saturate it with oil it says here in Isaiah chapter 21 verse 5 it says prepare the table watch in the watchtower eat drink arise ye princes and anoint the shield they would anoint the shield with oil so that when the darts would hit it the oil would help with the water to quench the fire and also the the leather would also strengthen the shield and keep the wood keep the wood stronger it would, it would basically enhance the strength of the shield so taking that into consideration considering that, that in the bible when it talks about the oil it's referring to the spirit of god or the holy ghost so when you anoint your shield with oil you're anointing it with the with the holy ghost you're anointing it with the spirit of god because who is your shield who is the shield in your life is it something is it something that you're actually hanging on your arm and you're running around and and hiding behind it and blocking things from the enemy no it's in a spiritual sense so god is our shield god is our buckler god is the one that that guards us he's the one that takes care of us he's the one that keeps the enemy from getting to us and David, David talks about that a lot in the Word. He talks about the buckler and he talks about the shield. Psalms 30 and 5 says God is our shield. And if you want to turn there, Psalms chapter 30, and we'll read the verse. But you see, we have to, we have to have our shield on. We have to, we have to get it, get it out of the closet, anoint it with oil, and get it ready for battle. And we need to, we need to get in this thing. Cause this ain't nothing the devil's not playing with us you know the enemy's not playing around with us he's not just playing games he wants he wants to take us out he, he wants to cause us to fall he wants to try and and deter us off the path he wants to try and cause us to lose out on on salvation he wants to try to cause us to lose out making it to heaven he wants to keep us forever separated from god because that's where he's going because of what he did in his past so he's trying to take us with him. God didn't create hell for man. But, man, but hell's enlarging itself because man chooses to go there. We, we are the ones that have to make the decision. And in Psalms, Psalms chapter 30, I thought I had it marked here. But in Psalms chapter 30, verse 5, it says, For his anger endureth but a moment, and his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy coming. That's the wrong verse. <laughs> Proverbs 30 and 5. I'm sorry. The way the paper's setting, it looked like an S. <laughs> okay, Proverbs 30 and 5, and I did have it marked. It says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them 
that put their trust in him. See, when we put our trust in God, he is our shield. He is the one that, that's going to guard us. He is the one that that stops the darts, the fiery darts of the enemy. So when the devil's coming at you and he launches that arrow at you from a distance, from afar off, by speaking something in your ear or, or putting something in your path, someone come by or whatever, you know, and say, well, you know, something to try to make you lose your faith or lose your concentration or whatever it might be. And he'll use people to cause us to try to cause us to fall and stuff that we have to we have to have enough faith and enough trust in God and believe him enough to where whenever those things come that they just they're just totally completely annihilated by the shield. So in other words where it the shield just quenches it, it just takes the flame and it just smothers it out and quenches it down to where it becomes nothing to where it no longer no longer bothers us no longer affects us and we all have to get to that point and you know it's it's not something that comes easy you know we have to get close to god we have to to pray we have to fast we have to get in his word we have to make sure that we're in church every 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 chance we get every opportunity we get for revivals going on show up every night to it and if you know when, when your church doors is open go to church if they're not open enough then then Go to go to another church too. That you know, I'm not trying to tell you to go away from your church. Still go to your church, but go to another church that's open when your church ain't open. It's you know, I, I before at times went three time, three different times, three different churches on a Sunday before, and uh, you know, just to be in the house of God, just to be in His presence, and because there's no better place to be than in the house of the Lord, no better place to be than in His presence, especially. eternally rewarded he's got for us but if you think about that shield though that shield will protect you god will protect you but you gotta what you gotta put the armor on you have to put the shield on and the shield works with everything else and the, the other shield that i'm going to go into and uh, um and the next one i do is the the buckler the battle the battle buckler which is um it's its own significant shield as well it's got its own purpose. There was two different ones that they wore. The bigger one, like I said, was when they were approaching a fortified city or a fortified base or whatever or a fortress. And the other one was for when they were in close hand-to-hand -hand combat is the battle buckler where, you know, it's down to shield and sword. And uh, you're actually fighting a, an opponent that's directly, that's within your comfort zone. And that's what I'm going to be going into next on that one. But faith, the definition definition of faith, is the persuasion. Persuasion, you're persuaded by God. Whatever your faith or trust in is what you're persuaded by. So you have to be persuaded by God. You have to you have to be allowing Him to show you and lead you and guide you and direct you, and be persuaded fully persuaded by Him. Go to God and reason with Him. Hit your knees and talk to Him one on one. And pray and ask God to give you direction and ask Him to show you His ways. His ways are better than our ways. And the moral conviction of religious truth. We have to have the conviction that the Lord would show us when we're doing things wrong. And reliance upon Jesus for salvation. 
assurance, belief, and believe. We have to believe and we have to trust God. And we have to be able to we have to be able to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that He's going to move for us. You see, we can't we can't just ask Him for something and not believe He's going to do it. We have to ask Him and know that He's going to do it and believe beyond a shadow of a doubt. In other words, when you ask Him, you ask Him believing in your heart that He's going to do it. And then when you, after you get done asking Him, if something comes your way trying to deter you or trying to make you think otherwise, rebuke it and tell, tell it, no, God's going to move in this situation. God's going to move. I know He is. I trust Him. I believe Him that He's going to do it. And you tell God that you believe that He's going to do it. Just like Peter. When he got out of the boat and he stepped on the water, he walked on the water. That's believing. He believed enough to where when his feet touched the water that he was going to walk on it. And he did walk on it. Walked a good ways away from the boat before he realized what he was doing and then his faith left him. The moment his faith left him and he began to sink. What faith left him? When I say that, what, what faith left him? His believing that God had made it to where he can walk on the water left him. Believing that God made that made it his situation to where when he stepped out on that water to where he done what reality, our reality, our personal reality that we're living in, not God's reality, but our reality that we're living in, we're not supposed to be able to walk on water. We sink in water. We don't... Water's not designed to walk on, basically. But when Peter asked God to bid him to walk on the water, God changed the water to where Peter could walk on the water. And as he walked on the water, he began to look around him. He took his eyes off of Jesus and began to look around him at his, at his surroundings and realized, hey, I'm not supposed to be able to do this. But God was making it where he could, but he took his eyes off of God and look back at the way things are. Instead of looking at that evidence of things not seen, he looked at the way things are. And he began to sink. And Jesus told him when he reached down and grabbed his hand. He said, O ye of little faith, wherefore did you doubt? In other words, at what point you came out here walking on the water, you stepped out of that boat and stepped on this water, and you walked on this water, and you walked out as far as you did. And then you began to sink. He's basically telling him, at what point in this, after you stepped out of that boat onto this water, at what point did you doubt? At what point did you lose your focus and be, to where you would begin to sink? And you lost your trust in me, believing that I was going to do this. See, that's just like when we ask him. We might After we ask him, we might feel great. You know, God's going to do it. Yeah, he's going to move in this situation. I'm believing. I'm trusting him that he's going to move. And then all of a sudden, a little ways down, maybe a day later or however long later, or maybe it's just taking too long that you might think it's just, God, it's just taking too long, God. You know, are you going to move in this? You see, then you begin to doubt because it's done taking too long. You begin to look at your circumstance and your surroundings to the point to where you begin to say, hey, it, it don't look like God's going to move in this. It's just it's looking like it's just not going to happen. 
Get your shield of faith to quench those fiery darts that are coming in trying to consume you. That's trying to deter you off the path, the path, trying to take away your faith and trying to make it where you don't believe that it's going to happen. Get your shield out. Anoint it. Soak it in the water. Let it soak up some water and anoint it with oil. And how do you do that? Prayer. You get your you get your strength in your shield through prayer and exercising your faith. Get your shield out and work with it. Practice with it. That's basically what you're doing. It's like when the soldiers would get ready to go into battle, they would get out their sword and, and their shields and they would practice whether they were sparring with each other or whether they were just working the shield to get used to the weight of it on their arm and they would anoint it, they would sharpen their blades, they would, they would get all prepared for war. They don't just sit around and wait until the enemy comes in and then pick their stuff up and expect to do something. No, you have to practice it and work with it and use it. And you have to get to where you can work it, use it effectively in your life and in your situations. Same with the sword that I was talking about the other night. Your shield's the same way. You have to, you have to work with it. You have to practice with it. You have to exercise it. You have to get it out, get it all, get it out of the closet, anoint it, knock the dust off of it, and anoint it with oil, and get, get to using it in your life, and get ready to get ready to to win this thing. That's what we need to do. We need to get ready to win this thing. It all works together. You can't just have one or one without the other. You have to have everything. You have to have all the armor because the armor all works together. The unity of the armor, it all works as one. None of it works by itself. It all has to work together. So I hope this helped you tonight. Um, and everything I see, I got a question up here. Um, it says, how do you give it to God and believe he'll take care of it when your head is 50 feet below water with a 450-pound anchor? Well, okay, good answer for that one is, um, a little later on, I'm going to go into it a little deeper, but if you think about Paul and Silas when they were in, locked up in a prison, they got God into their circumstance, they got God into their, into their surroundings. In other words, with their praise and worship, they got Him in, their, in that prison with them to where the shackles couldn't stay on them. God can break those chains off of you and he can take that anchor and rip that anchor loose from you and bring your head up out of water. But once again, you have to have faith. You have to believe in God. Just like I was saying the other night, when you ask that, when you tell that mountain to move and get out of your, get out of your way, that's that, once again, that's part of the, the shield where you're speaking the word to something. You have to believe when you speak that word, that's your shield. Your shield of faith backing what you're saying, backing what you're referring to, your faith in God, your trust and believing in God. When you speak it, you have to have faith believing that it's going to happen. It's the same as, as when you ask God for something. It's the same as when you speak against something that's coming against you. When you rebuke the enemy away from you, when you tell him to leave and tell him to get out of your circumstance and you tell him he don't belong there, you tell that mountain to get out of your way, and when you, when you do that, you have to believe, you have to have faith to where when you say it out your mouth that it's going to happen. Same as when you ask God, when you speak it, you have to have the faith just like when you ask God for it. 
it works the same. You get your shield out, anoint it with oil, and exercise with it, and get it to where it's working in your life. That's it's not something that's just going to come overnight. It's something you have to you have to work with it. You have to exercise and make it to where it's going to be work effectively in your life. Not just you can't just sit around and leave your shield sitting in the closet, and then one day when you need something, get it out and start using it. You have to exercise it and work with it all the time. That's the only way it's going to work effectively, is by you getting it to where it's going to work and anointing it. The only way you're going to anoint your shield is in the presence of the Lord. And come on, you have to get get in His presence. You have to be you have to get Him down into your surroundings. The best place to do that is is in the house of God during a good worship service and getting up there in His presence and um, just sitting on the pew. Come on, I know this. I know this is. Ba you, you, I'm basically blunt. I'm going to tell it like it is. Sitting on your hands in the pew and not getting into the service, you're not going to anoint your shield. You're not going to get strong in God. The only way to get strong in God is to get out of your comfort zone. Don't worry about what people's thinking around you, what people's whether people's looking at you or whatever, and get in God's presence by praising Him and enter into His gates with praise. Enter in His courts. Enter. Enter through his gates with praise and in his courts with thanksgiving to get into the holy of holies to where God's at, to where he'll come into your surroundings and he'll move in your life, move in your situation. That's the way you anoint your shield. So get your shield out of the closet. Come on, anoint it with oil and get it working in your life and exercise with it and make it make it effective in your life. That's the only way you're gonna do it. I hope this helped you tonight. Um, I'll see y'all again soon. Next to be on the battle buckler, and um, which is the other shield that I was that I read to you earlier in Jeremiah. So, love you guys. God bless.